Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. There it is. The theme tune, it can mean only one thing. It can mean the weekend has begun because it's time for Screen Brum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is the program here on Brum Radio where we talk about everything with a screen, whether it's a TV, whether it's a cinema, whether it's a phone, a computer game, whatever it is. If it's got a screen and it's good, we're going to be talking about it. But today, actually, we're going to be talking about things that are off screen. We're going to be talking about something that's going to be challenging our radio skills, frankly, which is we're going to be talking about physical pictures, art. We're going to be talking about film posters. So our theme for the day is the greatest slash most influential film posters. Um, We're going to be talking about that and we would very much welcome your contributions. So we'd like to hear from you what what film posters you find uh, effective, which one film posters you find uh, most emotional, which ones uh, have made you watch a film. Have you ever been to see a film purely because of the poster? We would love to hear from you. So tweet us on at screen brum and let us know now we are this is the very another auspicious day because it's the very last show we're going to be doing from our old rather battered studio before we move into our fabulous new one so at that point we will have lots more ways for you to get in touch with us you can ring us and all sorts but for now twitter is your channel so at screen brum and let us know what you think. Uh, I'm also going to now introduce who else we've got in the studio. I haven't introduced myself so far. My name is Blake Woodham, but I am joined by my regular co-host, Mr. Tim Wilson. Hello, Tim. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are things? Things are good. It's wet out there today. It is wet. I feel I feel nice and cosy in here. It, it is. always is cosy. We're going to miss the cosy env- environment of this room. Well, as summer is coming, it probably cosy would metamorphose into horrible. So let's say it's cosy becomes the sweaty. Yeah, yeah. Let's not uh, let's not evoke that too much. Um, and we have to be on our best behaviour because we have a, a TV star in the studio with us today. <laughs> Um, our guest. Uh, hello, Graham. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'll try. Yeah, I'll follow that. I'm not a TV star. You're a TV presenter. Okay, you're, presenter. You're there more of go. a TV star than we are. That's true. Okay, I've been on our TV, but that's only on YouTube. Um, um, that's the modern, <laughs> the modern equivalent. And you are the host of a show that links in with our film poster theme, aren't you? Yeah, um, I present the Jaws 19 show on YouTube. Uh, fledgling new channel mm, and it's uh, named after uh, probably the only tv uh, show named after a film poster because it's named after jaws 19 from from back to the future 2 if that can be called a poster because that was a hologram wasn't it mm. hologram, yeah yeah sort of hologram projection and very famous it is too so um how would people find out about uh, how would people subscribe and see the show let's find let's get that down well the best place to find us again is on twitter as always so at jaws 19 show and if you just search Jaws 19 show on YouTube, you'll find our channel. Um, so, yes, and you do uh, shows on a range of themes. And I know you've been working with our co- uh, our sister show, Geeky Brummy, recently on a Spider-Man themed program. We did, yeah. We, we, uh, we put them in front of a camera, got them out of uh, 
got them out of the studio. I know. I'm not sure that's that suit. We saw some <laughs> knees on display, uh, but let's uh, let's leave that. But you know, there are there are nice sights on that program as well. Um, so fantastic! Thanks so much for coming in, Graham. We're going to be talking about posters. Um, Graham um, also has um, a kind of um, another poster angle that we're very proud to say he designed our Screen Brum logo. I did. I did. So, um, as cause payment, he's insisted to come on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, as well as... Appropriate in kind, that course, isn't Exactly. It? Yeah. I think it's fair enough. And um, we're very much looking forward to the show. So do tweet us in and let us know uh, what you think. I'm going to start off with some music. I'm going to do something slightly different this week with the music. Normally, we play music from a film and we'll tell you what it is. We're going to talk about a lot of films uh, and film posters this week. Uh, and I'm going to introduce, uh, we're going to play the music from them, but I'm not going to tell you what film it is. So if you can identify the film that the track is from, uh, do tweet us in and let us know, and you will get a bonus point. Um, and I should, ent- <laughs> uh, 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 should make it very clear, there are no prizes. But bonus points you equal like the, kudos. You do it like if you have our own loyalty stamp. Well, that's a, a good idea. One. That's you a good idea. Right, you get a stamp on your loyalty card. Exactly. What happens when you get ten? When, when you get ten, you, you get you, to appear on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I'm not sure that counts as a bonus for everyone. That. Um, let's, uh, let's start with some music. This track is uh, by the band War, and it is known. It is called uh, Me and My Brother. And if you know what um, film it's from, then let us know. Whatever it is, it's great. So that was <laughs> Me and My Baby Brother by War from... I'm not going to tell you. You have to work out what film that is from. And it is a film with an iconic poster. We've just been discussing it on air. Tim uh, worked out which film it was. Um, and yeah, let us know if you know. Here's a clue. It's from the early 2000s. There you go. Uh, it's not contemporary. That is a really event. broad. That's a really broad. That really clue. doesn't help in that terms of a help. clue, does it? No, no, you, you could say 2002, I think. Quite all right, it's from the year 2002. There you are. Yeah, um, you can so, buy it on DVD. <laughs> so get googling DVD. It has actors in it. It had actors in it. It had scenes. Um, so we're going to be doing, um, <laughs> as we often do on the show, we're going to be talking through our top five film posters um of course this is just our personal opinion we're not saying these are the best ones and it's very much a um obviously a subjective thing um just so you know everyone we've also going to have a further guest coming in very exciting we're going to have a uh, we'll leave it exciting we'll have a filmmaker who's going to be coming in he's going to be talking a little bit about uh film posters but also some very exciting casting news for a film being made here in the West Midlands region. So we're looking forward to that, and um, um, we will hopefully that will be around 1 pm. But stay tuned. Right, okay, now, film posters. Right, guys. Yes. Film yes. posters. Have you ever been to see a film purely because of the poster? Um, and knowing nothing else about it? Has that ever happened? This I'm is, struggling to think no. if I actually have. I, I, I'm not sure I have, but it must happen. Well, that's the point of the yeah. poster, to entice you to watch there a are, film. Yeah, yeah. There, I will go on that. There are campaigns, film campaigns, promotional campaigns, where the poster has really enticed me. It, I, I would have gone and seen it anyway. Mm. I think recently of Isle of Dogs, I really love the branding for that film. Yeah. I really yeah. love the feel. It really evokes the world that Wes Anderson creates. And uh, it's my favourite film of the year. I know I'm being biased, but it's the one that really comes to mind. You know? I'm going to make a I'm going to make a case here as well that film posters have ceased to be 
as important as they used to be. Because, of course, 50s, 60s, mm. this was pretty much all you, you know, you, you might see a trailer if you were at the cinema, um, but that would probably about it. So the poster would, would tell you everything. Whereas now, you know, let's face it, everyone's going to see the trailer to the film before there's all manner of images on on um, online and also people are not seeing it in a poster format they're seeing it you know, probably on their phone or something i i would hazard to guess that you're probably right in one regard Always. that you know on all regards well, before Carry the on. internet <laughs> before the internet in particular you know the 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 film poster what and you know the did evoke the film and it was the thing that people saw apart from the reviews and maybe the trailers Mm. Um, but I will say now that actually it's not just the film poster it's a branding campaign as a a whole thing so um, especially films of budget or in films of low budget, you will tie in other things. Along yeah, I mean, posters. I, I was thinking about that with Jurassic um, Park, for example. You think about Jurassic Park, that poster was very much designed. So if you remember, it's the logo. The, it was just Jurassic a single Park. dinosaur yeah, logo. Very simple. Yeah. But that is used across so much media. You know, you, you've got T-shirts, you know, mm. badges, everything everything's well, stamped it, with it and it's obviously in the film as well it's a badge isn't it it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a logo bang you can yeah. stick yeah. it anywhere you have to, it's great you have to design so these posters it's not just uh, you know it's such a fascinating area to evoke mm. so much in, in one sheet image um, I find it fascinating I think we're going to have great discussion so shall we talk about our our first choices um, and then maybe we can talk about bad ones as well um, now I think we're going to have a lot of overlap on this potentially, I'm trying um, to avoid the overlap. I've had a huge amount of of <laughs> of, 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 um, of torment actually trying to to Oof. come up with some, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the obvious one, um, and and boring it may sound, but I'm gonna say it because I think it's it's really important to talk about, which is Train Spotting from on whatever it was to, to yeah. 1992. Six, no, earlier than that. Was it? I definitely know it was earlier than 1995. Um, and I know, yeah, I it do was. Apologise. Somebody look up. Let's find out when it was. Um, Let's but quickly Google when did train spotting come. When out? did train spotting go? I might be wrong. I often am. <laughs> Everyone knows this. Everyone knows this picture. I'm sure. Um, if you if you aren't aware of it, it was kind of the student wall poster of the 90s. In in a sense, it's kind of it evokes Britpop um, and Cool Britannia all in one image. It's um, so many things about it that is iconic. For start is the shape of it. It's it's a lands- it's done in landscape, landscape, yeah. not portrait, which is quite unusual. Um, it's got four, it's got five people in it, um, all who are regarded as equally the main character, which is quite unusual. They're numbered, they're named, yeah. they're looking at the camera. They they're not even um, in the film in that respect. You know, they're not shots from the film. They're they're clearly posed photographs. Yeah, they're portraits, aren't they? exactly. Yeah. The color. Um, I think it, what's what are the really interesting. All those have become such iconic images. Uh, one of the main characters in the film, Kevin McKidd, um, he's not in it because apparently he was on holiday when they were doing the photo shoot and he was, oh, well, this, you know, this is just for a poster. Um, so he's not become one of these iconic images. He's still, his career's not done too bad yeah. uh, as a result. But um, to me, it, I could say it's just evokes everything that that film and that era of filmmaking did which was you know it's just some iconoclastic it's like you know this is something different this is a new picture this is this is something you haven't seen before and that was exactly what the film was this is modern it's young it's cool it's hip you know that had that that fantastic sort of orange strip as the only piece of color in it just a fabulous fabulous picture i think I think the way you can judge whether a poster is truly kind of crossed over into iconography is by counting how many students' bedroom walls it appeared on. Yeah, I'm going to be mentioning this a lot. (laughs) And this was 
everywhere. I was trying to get that clip 90s. from space when he talks about students with the Blues Brothers, Betty Blue, um, the big blue on their blue bloody walls. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I couldn't get the clip, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I had it. And also, I ha- when I was a student, I remember having this on my wall. You know, the, there was lots of pastiches. Everyone had their own, you know, to put their own pictures on it. And yeah, it I'm just pulling up the one of my, of of, uh, from a few years ago of my band. There you we go. train spotted yeah. the band. Well, it, everybody either replicated Reservoir Dogs yeah. or train spotting because, it's, as you say, it's a group of people that you can port, mm. do portraits of, you can put their names on. It's customizable, which again ha- allowed it to spread. And then, <laughs> and, of this course, w- and then, of course, if you, were, if you have five men in the band, you, one of you's got to be Kelly McDonald, and then you're all queuing up, aren't you? Guess, uh, <laughs> to wear a dress. To wear a dress. Um, yeah. But the, um, I mean, this, again, the film, <laughs> the film was, people forget, was, was a low budget British film at the time. You know, of that image, again, there's, there's lots of, of things. The main, the, the only person, people in it who were kind of notably regarded as stars at that time were, were Ewan McGregor and. Um, Robert Carlyle probably uh, and they're not in the middle they're not the central picture in there and um, there's lots of these people who are they they were unknown faces all well known now but um, yeah it was it was a really um, kind of seismic thing so I know it's an obvious one but I'm going to choose it that's a good one I'll tell you what I thought finally on train spotting what was really strange about that poster is we're presented with these five people as these icons of cool um, when what you've actually got are three people in the throes of heroin addiction <laughs> a violent psychopath and a schoolgirl. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, is absolutely it was true. weird that these these characters became such yeah, such icons of cool. Yeah, when you yeah. Look at what they what they're shown as in the film itself. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly um, you look at Ewan McGregor in that. He does not look well in he that doesn't image. Look happy. <laughs> he does he's soaking not. wet for something. Yeah, I think he's I think he's quite sweaty. <laughs> but it, it does say a lot for the um, the iconography. I think as it, the film's reputation has come uh, since it wasn't just at the release. It kind of had a, there's a longevity to it that's gone on for decades, mm. and a lot of it is also the soundtrack, and a lot of it is the. Uh, you know, everything about it is cool. Yeah, it was perfect you know. timing. Like you say, the soundtrack came along. Those actors were just about to push through into mm. sort of mega stardom. Um, yeah, it all just sort of coalesced at the right time, didn't and it? And it was, and then all this, you know, we had Cool Britannia, we had Oasis coming on, we had all this, you know, kind of... British sort of self confidence that we had a brief. A brief Even Tony Blair job. was cool at that point. Wasn't it, it was. It I was. Would say actually, yeah. <laughs> um, I would say though that actually this this film had an, uh, a, an a dare I say even an underground mentality to it. That it wasn't actually Oasis. It wasn't Blur. It mm. wasn't Britpop. It was more underground than that. It deliberately rather against delib- those things. It rather against those mm. things, if anything, and, uh, and that's what made it even cooler. So um, that is uh, Blake's number one choice. Uh, sorry, number five choice, train spotting. Uh, we're going to hear from um, Graham and Tim and their number five choices in a moment, but I'm actually going to cheat and play some music from the soundtrack. And I said I'm not going to say, but I'm going to say this is from the, uh, trans- uh, the soundtrack to train spotting. And of course, you know what it is. Okay, yes, for everyone. I'm not playing Born Slippy, but I am going to play this one. We'll leave the Stooges playing away, what Iggy Pop playing away there, nightclubbing from the soundtrack to train spotting. That's the last clue you're going to get. Everyone else, you're going to have to work out the film. So let us know. You've already had me and Baby Brother. Um, the, of course, at the beginning of the show, I haven't uh, mentioned that we had a little um, clip from an American TV show about the iconic filmmaker, oh, sorry, uh, screen poster maker Bill Gold. And, um, 
I'd recommend just looking, just just getting a list of all his posters and just looking through they are them. Amazing, amazing that guy, and and he he had a ridiculously long career. He's still alive now. I think he's he's, he's not very well uh, at the ages of ninety seven, but he's made films. I just wrote a list of of his films from the um, from every decade. So from the forties, he he did the film poster for. Casablanca in the 50s he did the searches in the 60s he did bullet in the 70s get Carter in the 80s pale rider 90s perfect world uh, the OO as mystic river right the way up until 2010 2013 I think it was uh, J, uh, J Edgar the Leonardo DiCaprio movie a lot of Clint Eastwood connections I think Clint Eastwood is a big fan of his but yeah what a ridiculously long career and amazing posters and I think what shows there is as you went through those films the posters appear in your head mm. That's yep. how good those designs are. Absolutely. So, yeah, do do check out, um, yeah, go online and have a look at Bill um, Gold. We're going to try and tweet tweet as many images as we can. Thank you for your tweets so far. We've had lots of suggestions and uh, very good ones they are too. I'm not going to talk about the one that Carl Josbury has suggested just because I'm going to talk about it later. And, Carl, I've got the microphone. Ha, ha, ha. Um, we've also had uh, Lucy Beth, who's uh, tweeted a couple of fabulous ones. Um, the 20,000 Days on Earth, Nick Cave movie, which is one of those ones that's a bit like a kind of Beatles album cover. You can sit and stare at phrases. It's got lots of different components to it. And also, she mentioned on she had on the wall at university, she was obviously cooler than having train spotting. She had the devil and Daniel Johnson, which is an amazing sort of piece of slightly kind of um, disorientating looking uh, art. So very much uh, appreciate you sending your tweets in. But we're going to tell us, we're going to give you a little bit more detail on our favourites. I've got my number five. So I'm going to ask next our guest, Graham from Jaws 19. Do you have one, a a number five film poster? I do, yeah. And strangely, it's for a film I don't like. Mm. But I like the poster. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, that's fine. I'm ready it's, to defend this film. Yeah, we had a little discussion while the music was on about this film, and uh, we decided to save the debates till the mics <laughs> were on. Um, yeah, it's for the film The Evil Dead by Sam Raimi. Oh, the original uh, first one. The very first one, yeah. The problematic one. <laughs> well, yeah. they're all problematic, there we go. One scene is problematic. Mm. So this is an image of somebody being kind of pulled underground by a monster. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a pretty minimalist poster. I'm dr- I'm drawn to minimalist design. I like less stuff on a poster. I think that's that grabs me. Um, and on this one, you've got the bottom half of the poster, which is black with the logo for the film, and then yeah, you've got a woman sort of sprouting out of the ground. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how she got there, but I think she's coming. I think she's been pulled in. She's been she? pulled in. Yeah, well, it looks like she's reaching out. Yeah. She's sprouted like a plant. Join and then, yeah, us. this, this Sorry, undead I'm hand sorry. trying to pull her back down. Um, I just think it's a really beautiful design. There's not much color on there. It's split in half, so it's got this nice kind of symmetry and balance to it. Um, yeah, but I can't stand the film. <laughs> they are, these are under, independent art forms, I guess. I love the font on that as well, the writing on that. Which they retain, I believe, even for the remake. They Is that right? Yeah, I think they still use that particular logo. Ah, yeah. so we have a, a debate here. Tim, is uh, are you a fan of the poster, first of all? I am a fan of the poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the you're po- also a fan of the film. The poster, as I always say, the poster um, is a great poster, but... What it does is it gives an idea that the film is actually much more um, sort of sinister and evil than it really is. Mm. You know, the film is a is a comedy film. You know, for, 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 apart from one scene involving a tree, yes, it, it's uh, it's a comedy film. It's it's pure. It's it's it feels like a bunch of film students having fun, for want of a better word. And you, I think your enjoyment of the film depends on how if you go along with the fun element. Yeah, but, I didn't find any. 
part of it comedic or funny. I was just like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah. I, 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 it is horrible. The Evil Dead is nasty. Let's, yeah. let's, but uh, it's let's, all let's about, it. it's all about. Gentlemen, it's... gentlemen, I can take the microphones <laughs> off. I'm coming down because we're not talking about the films here. All right. This, this, we this are talking today. about posters. We're today. talking about the poster, and the um, poster is. Um, as you say, a very it's, it's muted <laughs> colours. It's, it's great sinister, and it may not necessarily tell you about the film. But as Graham says, it's perfectly possible to find that yes. an impressive piece of art without the film. So I think that's an excellent choice. So we have Graham's number five, which is the Evil Dead, Sam Raimi's first foray into the Evil Dead franchise, which then has been repeated and remade, and generally. Were, were regurgitated over and over again. <laughs> um, so uh, we've got uh, to get hear from you now, Tim. Uh, your number five. Uh, my number five is the 2004 David Slade film Hard Candy. Mm, now this is yes. Sh- describe the the poster for. I shall describe the poster. Radio so, listeners, this is a terrible idea. This is quite a difficult one to describe. So. Um, <laughs> It's got a huge bear trap on it, hasn't it? Yes. So yes, it's got a huge bear trap. So uh, the lead the lead character played by Ellen Page, her character is called Haley Stark. Um, basically, she's a teenage girl who agrees to meet a thirty-something photographer after being acquainted with him online. It actually had that kind of slot line, and basically, the image is of uh, her character inside a bear trap, wearing a red coat and a satchel, and that's pretty much the gist of it. The idea being is that she's going to lure him into her trap mm-hmm. um and it, the film sets you off on a very false premise doesn't it, it a does. teenage girl inviting a, a, an older gentleman old gentleman played by patrick wilson and they go back they have drinks and the next thing you know uh he's tied up and uh, i won't reel too much from that mm-hmm. point on the, the poster certainly tells you this is going to um, be grim doesn't it's, it? It's, it has that kind of sore vibe about it it's yeah. a horrible kind of metal trap and also has the uh, classic horror film scope trope which is red the red coat the red mm-hmm. coat the which you know coast, the don't yeah. look now coat mm-hmm. uh, or it could be a little red riding hood could mm-hmm. be it's a classical image of red you know um the red coat in schindler's list comes to mind sometimes you think of that that salvation this is the antithesis of that you've got Sinister all the way through that. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was what was interesting about the in choice the s- of dressing her as red, as Red Riding Hood, but that completely subvert that role in the film. She, yeah, she's not the hunted; she's the hunter. Yeah, yeah, brilliant poster. The film is—it's just pure. Yeah, and also, it, the the poster might give the impression that she's the one in the trap. Yeah, as well. But it, she's actually it, the bait. The whole thing is subversive. Mm. So uh, I I I am a fan of the film. It's nasty. I'm a fan of the poster. Okay. It's nasty. Okay, well, let us know uh, your <laughs> your thoughts. Let us know. We're, we're loving your tweets so far on your favourite film posters. Our Twitter feed is colourful and uh, lovely to look at, which is not usually the case, because it's usually just pictures of me and Tim. So we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to play some more music now, uh, and then we're going to have um, a further guest in the studio. Um, well, again, I'm not going to tell you uh, which film this is from. It's a film with an iconic poster i will tell you that um a poster that again you've probably seen on many student bedroom walls um and if you know what it is let us know
Sorry, we have some um, unprofessionals in the studio, not used to talking. They're just talking away, and I'm going to say to them, stop talking. These microphones will be on. My um, apologies. <laughs> hello, everyone. You are listening to The Screen Brum Show here on Brum Radio, where we talk about all things with a screen. And we have a further guest in the studio who is going to have to share a microphone, because as, as I may have mentioned, we are in a tiny temporary studio. But uh, it's a guest we've had on before. It's Carl Timms. Hello, Carl. Yeah, hi. How are you doing, guys? And uh, Carl is a filmmaker, local filmmaker. And um, you are, um, well, you've got some uh, very exciting news, some of which uh, you can tell us, some of which you're not allowed to tell us yet uh, for very boring legal reasons. Uh, but you're working on a film. Um, now, we're here talking about film posters. We'll talk about the film in a little bit, um, Carl, but um, film posters, is the poster already in place for your film? It is, yeah. Ah. yeah. And how much involvement do you get? Do you just tell a, a designer, make a film poster, or what do you do? Yeah, I mean, basically, we, we had a concept in mind for what we wanted. Um, we got a graphic designer in who, who um, went, gave us a whole bunch of different iterations, and, and we kind of worked through fonts and styles, but also just the layout. And, uh, and I think we, we ended up with pretty much what, what we wanted um, originally. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like good, strong, iconic posters that have a good, strong central image. And I think one of the things people said about my last film still was that the... The title was just very, very simple and very bold, mm. and and, uh, and that's all we went for. It was just a yellow background with, uh, you know, the title still with the kind of living statue as the eye, and uh, and we wanted to go for something similar so that it will a look good alongside our, our other poster, um, but also uh, yeah, just just come up with an image that will be quite striking when people see it in a tiny little box on Facebook. So if you are well, this is it now, isn't it? We were just talking about that earlier. Is these posters are not necessarily posters anymore. Um, I mean, do you think that means, you know, the day of writing on them is over? Are they going to become simpler, do you think? Because we're looking at them on tweets and boxes and things. I wonder if that's going to change things. I think you see, you'll see many, many different iterations of a poster image now. So there'll be the same image that you'll see that would go on a billboard mm. with all the credit squeezed in and all that kind of stuff and the out now and the days and all that kind of thing. Mm. But you'll also see that exact same image with everything removed apart from the logo so that you can, as you say, scale it down, mm. share it on Facebook, tweet it out. But, but yeah, it's, it's, from a design point of view, it's difficult these days because you, before you were thinking, right, I've got to design something that's going to be 12 by 10 feet and I've got to put these elements into it. Whereas now you've got to think, right, it's got to be anywhere between two inches wide on a phone screen mm. up to the side of a bus and it's got to work on all those levels. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, designers... Um, I've got a very difficult job these days. I was going to add, actually, I and mean, this question for Carl, uh, what, how much of this is an actual, r- related to what Graham's talking about, how much of what you're doing is actually setting the whole branding in, in motion before you even begin? So, you know, you've got to start, I guess that's a draw for people you're going to work with. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, I mean, I ahead of, and as well as a script and the characters and mm-hmm. locations, you, the, the, it, you're set, is the branding at the, at the start of the process. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, when you're in the kind of indie film scene. Yeah, absolutely. The image sells the sells the movie. And when you're when you're looking at things like crowdfunding and and just trying to raise interest, having a, a really good solid image is uh, is extremely important. But mm. as you say, like you're setting out on this journey, you you haven't even had a chance to <laughs> draw anything or, or think of anything. You probably just got a script and and to have to come up with an iconic image right at the beginning of a project. And you yeah. haven't shot a, a frame of film is um, it, yeah, it, it is challenging. It really is, and I. I mean, I, I'm not 
what I would say a, a brilliant graphic designer you know I, I'm not one of these people that, that's got a really great sense for graphic design so so I sort of struggle with that a little bit but but that's why you bring in a designer and don't do it yourself <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, this is me with marketing head on I guess um, ha- and how much uh, has, has any any film that you've done uh, had its marketing sorry its graphic design change in the process of doing uh, well, the, the, no, not yet. The not yet. Um, the two. Uh, I mean, there was. The, I've had projects in the past where where we switched between going way back here. I had a project that was on VHS, um, a documentary that we changed the cover when it went to DVD. That's probably the only example of that I've got. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That was uh, the VHS was awful. VHS um, for our younger listeners was a, <laughs> <laughs> was a strange piece of magic uh, that took up a large amount of space in your house and made a terrible noise. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much, um, Cole. We're going to be we're doing our top fives. I know that you can't stay uh, for the whole show, so um, we're going to go through. Through some, but we'd be arranged to hear mm. uh, your favourite film poster. Um, and we've done our number five already, so it is time for me to lead the charge on number two. And of course, now I've lost my place. Um, from five to two, then? No, I mean number four. I'm losing. <laughs> I'm losing it fast. Apologies, everybody. <laughs> um, I'm going to hang now, in there, mate. It's fine. I had um, I had a, I had a little battle with myself on a kind of triumvirate of three iconic images and I, again I don't know anything about graphic design and they all look very much in the same 50s style to me but I don't know what it's called what the artistic frame of it is um, these are uh, Anatomy of a Murder which you may know Otto Perminger film with a, a very classic drawing um, of a body um, and um, related to that actually one of my um, one of the ones I really like is um, 1958's The Big Country which I have on the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the soundtrack album in a frame in my house, but I, I didn't choose that one today because I think if people Google it, there's lots and lots of rubbish sort of VHS cover copies, uh, and it's quite hard to actually know which one I'm talking about. So I'm going to go with one which um, is a wonderful, wonderful image, um, and it's not necessarily um, you know the greatest film of all time. Um, it, you know, the film you could regard as problematic. I'm going to play the trailer so you know what I'm talking about. In Paris, everybody does it. The butcher, the baker, even the friendly undertaker. Everything about you is perfect. I'm too thin, and my ears stick out, and my teeth are crooked, and my neck's much too long. Maybe so, but I love the way it all hangs together. Nine o'clock. Oh, no, that's much too late. Five o'clock. Four o'clock. In the afternoon? When do you work? Whenever I'm not busy. Gary Cooper. Fabulous as the world's greatest connoisseur of women. Who has hunted the species from Stockholm to Siam. No wonder he was named Man of the Year. His matchless technique always begins with gypsy music, keyed to fascinate any woman. Audrey Hepburn, delightfully, completely innocent. How can anyone blame her for being dazzled? Maurice Chevalier, 
the most famous love detective in Paris, who kept a box score on every game that was ever played. He's certainly the most handsome man in your files. He's certainly the most utterly no good. He's got such an American face, like a cowboy or, or Abraham Lincoln. You know what happened to Lincoln? And right in the middle of a performance. Love in the afternoon, when a girl with no experience turns the tables on the most experienced man in the world. How many other men were there? You mean before I met you, or since I met you, or all together? Quit stalling. I told you I have a date. The man you live with? No, this is another man, a younger man, the man I play with. Wait a minute. You... You mean there's one man you live with, and another man you... There we are. That was the trailer to Love in the Afternoon, which is my choice, number four. Now, this is a film from 1957, Billy Wilder film, um, and it was uh, the poster was done by the wonderful Saul Bass, who would... We could do a whole show on Saul Bass. Saul and Elaine Bass, I should say. Um, very, very f- iconic opening sequences of a lot of films, but also a lot of posters. And this, this film, uh, Love in the Afternoon, the poster is so... Um, Again, you know, shocking in many ways because you know it's got all these big names. It's got Audrey Hepburn in it. It's got Gary Cooper in it. But they're not. You don't see their faces. You actually see this. It, it, the image is of like a roller blind being pulled down by a hand. Naughty. Um, and it, you know, it's it's it's, it's it, it says, "Oh, there's something going on behind this window that we don't know." It's called Love in the Afternoon. There's something saucy going on here. But at any minute, this could be let go and fly up, and then we could see. It's it's incredibly kind of like I really want to know what's going on behind this uh, behind this picture. So. It, for me, it's it's very much in the in the vein of, as I said before, uh, Anatomy of a Murder and also Vertigo. The image of it, that that wonderful kind of uh, Saul Bass drawingy type of thing. Um, I would uh, very much recommend you get on. Or hopefully, t- uh, we will get a tweet from it. But um, the film itself, I haven't seen. I have to admit, but I played the trailer for it. There gives you an idea for it. Um, but yes, Love in the Afternoon, Gary Cooper. Uh, the the film, uh, just the trailer put me off because it's you know it's if we think this idea of um, you know young film starlets um, being paired up with ageing film stars is a new phenomenon. Look at that and you see Gary Cooper who looks about 40 years older than Audrey Hepburn and uh, yeah, you know, somehow <laughs> smouldering and she falls ill. Anyway, um, so they are gentlemen. Um, what do you think? I love it. I, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't have a Soul Bass poster somewhere in our in top fives, right? Although I haven't got a Soul Bass poster in any of my five but I, I, you know, when you think of the great ones, Vertigo, you know, and Vertigo, you know, the, the kind of the the crazy sort of image of a guy and a swirling image. A spirograph. A spirograph, mm, yeah. losing control. Out of control. Sorry, I was away from my microphone there. And um, Not very professional of me. Carry on. Anyway, um, yeah. And then you think of, uh, you talked about uh, Anatomy of a Murder. Mm. Where it's almost, um, you know, disjointed 
disjointed image of it's a like person. A paper cut. They look yeah. like they're made mm. of cut out bits of paper. They and are it, works of art. Oh yeah, and, and, and in, element element to this going in on. In that case you know? as well, also very much the opening whole opening sequence of the film is is of the same thing. It ties in yeah. the poster connects to that, and you know you're in good hands right. Well, from I think the start. it's really interesting about these posters, and also very risky from from a studio point of view. Is there's no pictures of the people who are in them. Mm. There are no star faces it's not like a Tom Cruise poster which is basically Tom Cruise's enormous face with the word Cruise splashed across the top <laughs> and then the title of the actual film squeezed in at the yeah, bottom yeah yeah absolutely but none of these none of these Saul Bass posters have a single photograph of the star no mm-hmm. absolutely and, and huge stars as well huge you know, stars at the time, the biggest, so, yeah. I think, yeah I think what's interesting about that is it, it makes them in some ways timeless but also at the same time Saul Bass's stuff is so of its time like you absolutely know a Saul Bass poster when you see it and, mm. and it just takes you to that 50s 60s period that, that he was prolific and, and I think um, but, but an image of a star on a poster instantly ages the poster I think yeah you're right it does you are definitely gives it a timeless quality but I think it's been replicated so often as well. If you think of, I know it's an animated film, but The Incredibles, the, fi- the, the, the end credit sequence of The Incredibles, it's Saul Bass, it's pure mm. Saul Bass. It's got that blaring jazz soundtrack, the silhouettes jumping in and out, and the graphical elements sliding in, in and out of the frame. It's pure Saul Bass. Yeah. Mm. And you think about, um, I mean, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm talking, I'm watching the title sequences, you know, how the title sequences just work so well with the posters, and how Saul Bass, you know, and the Vertigo and That's all the and stuff. Elaine Bass and how that you know how then you know that then it, what he did informed all the Morris Binder sequences and the Bond films and things like mm-hmm. that you know they, they understood he understood the idea of the iconography yeah. and, and uh, graphics you know and how that has influenced marketing and film branding and um, it, it, it was a revolution he was the leader of that Bill Gold of course was as well but yeah. you know um, okay, um, we that so there's Blake's number four. Great call. Love in the afternoon. Have a look. Go to our Twitter. See it. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to tweet out an image of it. Billy Wilder, 1957, and a fabulous image it is too. Can't vouch for the film, but uh, the poster is good enough on its own. So, number four, gentlemen, and uh, of course, Carl has been dropped into this. Um, <laughs> yeah, feel free to to talk. You know, you can just jump straight to your number one if you wish. Um, but um, Tim, have you got a number four for us? Oh, I'm in now. I'm in now. Cool. So my number four. Okay. Yes. I have gone for, um, and you won't be surprised to hear this, I have gone for one of the 80s posters that you stick on your wall. Um, Betty Blue. (laughs) Um, It's, okay, I mean, uh, people who know this show will know I have uh, uh, gone to great lengths to extol the virtues of this film. Um, the film, the film poster, for want of a, for for everyone benefit, I put it up in front of the three people in this room. That's a great poster. Yeah. Um, it's the iconography again. It's the image of Beatrice Dahl, who plays Betty Blue, in a what looks like a sunset sky, mm-hmm. looking pensive, much like the character in her film. It's a frustration. There's a um, an idea that you know the sunset is an evocation again of the idea that you know sunlight isn't coming up. And it's set against the Mediterranean backdrop, Mediterranean backdrop of um, the house where Zorg, who's the one of the other main character, is in the film. And uh, you know, it, what it does is it sets the uh, sort of the the makings of the first act of the film. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also the she, front and center, Betty Blue is front and center of this film. Uh, you know the whole idea that she is a rebel without her clothes on. <laughs> um, it, is a, you know, it is a beautiful poster, and strangely it bears more than a passing resemblance to the Evil Dead poster that we looked at mm. earlier. 
If you take the... I had not considered that. Well, if you take the Betty Blue poster <laughs> and Dutch angle it to the left a little bit, you get the Evil Dead poster. We are... I mean, we're not... Um, well, I'm, t- I'm not, anyway, and uh, uh, clever enough with art to know about these things. A lot of these things are based on classical paintings as well. Um, on an earlier show, and you can still find a podcast of this, we had an interview with the sort of absolute doyen of 80s VHS poster and covers uh, Graham Humphreys, who designed the Evil Dead, in fact, and um, Nightmare on Elm Street, various posters. Uh, and we and it's um, so do check out that interview that we have available because again he he talks in there about his influences and and we we showed some of these side by side these classical paintings and you realise you know how much are taken from them. So for those prob- those two are probably a classic references to some you know Picasso's Blue Period. Uh, who knows? Um, but probably. Yeah. We're not clever enough. If you're clever enough out there, then you tell us, please. So that's an excellent choice, I mean, Tim. I would say, you know, we, if we're picking 80s films, there's so many things from the 80s which do have a, um, a heightened sense of chic and a heightened sense of, uh, I, uh, again, it's the iconography element. You know, I think we've all gone for things where it's not about the film being described, but maybe an aspect of the film or mm. sort of the mood of the film. Well, yeah. The Big Blue is another one from the same period, obviously the blue as well, but um, which was, again, adorned many student walls, but it's a fabulous image that just tells you so much about the film, but again, isn't an image from the film in particular. It's just you know, telling you this is what it's about. This is the tone of it, uh, fabulous yes. stuff. And I did have a Betty Blue poster on my wall. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you did. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there because I don't want to have any more... Um, any more comments about that? Um, right. Um, so, Graham, have you got a number four for us? Yeah. Um, strangely, I'm sticking with a kind of horror theme again because I was having this conversation with my son yesterday, and it's horror films seem to have the best posters. I agree. They really I do. Absolutely agree. They really do. So I'm picking, even calling it horror, horror is going to be contentious. Alien. Mm. I think it's a horror film. Some people it's call absolutely it terrifying. So I yeah. think it's a horror film. It's a horror. Film. It's, it's a, a slasher horror film. It's a horror sci-fi. That, that's probably a good time <laughs> to say that was going to be my number one. Oh, oh I've stolen your number one. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to work yeah, now. And, uh, and, and before that, and before the show began, <laughs> Alien was in my five as well. Okay. But I, I'm going to talk about another poster as well, which you've just seen. So yes. so number so what is it about this this image? Because this so we got it basically an egg with a green sort of it's hatching alien egg, splitting egg. So. The poster is already telling us that something bad is going to happen. It's portentous. It's it's foreboding. It's if it were just the egg on its own, just sitting there, it would, it would not be a scary image. But you've got the crack. You've got that green mist sort of emanating from it. Um, and and the the typography is just the word alien across the top. Mm. Nothing else. It's mm. it's beautiful. What I love is it it um, it takes all the kind of classic things you'd expect from a horror poster, but it clearly marks it as a as a sci-fi film as well. And, yeah. and which obviously at the time that, that was just very rare. And, and I mean, this is the the best of the uh, of that genre, you know. And um, and I think just having that font, it's, it's stretching it out. If they just compressed the font, it would just say alien. It, it just wouldn't mean anything. But for some reason, like stretching it out and the choice of font that they used, it, it just feels quite otherworldly. Mm. And uh, and of course, it's got an absolute killer tagline, which which basically for me is one of the most important things I think. On a, on a okay, really I want someone to say that now in a portentous voice. Who's going to do it? I can do it if you want. Okay, go, go on. Tim. No one in space can hear you scream. You got it wrong. <laughs> After all that, you got it wrong. That is one out no. of ten. Right, um, I did it. I did it wrong. Yeah, Graham, do it again. Graham, you do it. In space, 
No one can hear you scream. Better, better. Sorry, I, I got, I got, I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I got nervous, and I got. You put him on the around. spot. Didn't you? I, I was, yeah. I was more, I was more about capturing this voice than I was. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I apologise. No, no, I apologise. Uh, so that. yes, so a, a really excellent choice. Especially um, as the poster's in front of us. Yeah, I cannot read from the poster. <laughs> the, uh, the the other thing is when I remember seeing it in the again in the VHS store when I, when I was a kid and. From a distance, I wasn't even. I didn't even realise it was an egg because it looks like it's got that kind of eclipse effect. Mm. So it could it be also a planet, looks a yeah. bit like a planet. So again, it's just that kind of sci-fi iconography that you can spot from a mile away that that basically just draws you in. But once you you start looking at it, you go, oh, it's not a planet; it's an egg. Mm. What does that mean? And, you know. and, and what I like is how they keep that um, in terms of the text, the space lettering, how they keep that, and they build the lettering in the intro. Oh, sequence. that's so beautiful oh, in the title sequence, where you know, and, you know, you know with Jerry Gold's just subtle woodwind and the noise which is throughout yeah. the film and I always loved I also love the um the slight what's that what's that thing underneath it's you know? the mesh I think it's the, the mesh the, the floor it's, it's, it's the, the floor spaceship. of the planet it's the floor of the spaceship yeah. it's the floor of, you know it's the whole and I just like how it's a setup shot of the egg opening the, the light yeah, it's it's just minimal. And it makes it's us look like we're approaching. It's it, irreflective it? of the film. It's minimal. It's brooding. I think it, prior to this as well, I don't think we would ever have thought of eggs as scary things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eggs were were nice things, yeah. which you know, nice little birds came out of. And and it's quite interesting that this it, this sort of single handedly makes eggs seem terrifying, <laughs> um, which they weren't before. So fantastic choice there. Right. That is a Graham's number four, Alien. I um, would like to also uh, draw attention to uh, the Bill Gold. Um, uh, he he was he also did a poster for this, and I'm just about to. Um, he was commissioned to do this one. Oh, that's a very that's a very kind of very different spacey one, isn't it? And um, it's a sort of a woman screaming, very sort of bright colours. I'm gonna, yes, I'm going to post. Were they it kind up. of psychedelic? Tweet it. Yeah, um, there are things. This is the thing. This is the this is the tagline. There are things so terrifying they only exist in a nightmare or outer space. Um, it's not quite as catchy. This is, this is it? gold. Yeah, gold. it's not in space. No one can hear you um, scream, is it? It's, so it's interesting. This appears. You know, uh, gold saw. As this is what I'm reading. Gold saw. This is a new kind of science fiction film that cried out for a new kind of advertising. We wanted to play with the word alien. We did a bunch of designs that suggested some sort of outer space look. I didn't want it to be a total spaceman in a costume, but wanted to suggest that. For this poster, gold cut a hole in the eye area to show space coming through with a mouth open as if screaming. And it was a teaser, and this is a teaser poster. It was actually used in, in promotional. And oh, then, really? Of course, ultimately, a different designer was used for the one that we all know mm. and love. Well, it was it was two um, people. It was um, Stephen Frankfurt and Philip Gibbs who also did the you. poster <laughs> for for Rosemary's Baby. That amazing. Oh, and that's a green thing as well. Uh, isn't with it? The, the small pram against it's Mia Farrow's face, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. But what is interesting, actually, and and, and again, um, if you go back. If you go back, this is seventy nine. This was what Ridley Scott's second film after um, after the Duelists, and um, you know there was there he was making lots of double decisions about things. Everything from soundtrack to dis- decision making on posters. It doesn't surprise me that he didn't go with this and he went with something else. Mm. I'm very not a fan of that design at all. No, I, I'm going to post it up because I thought it's just interesting yeah. to see how something progresses into the classic. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. great to see what goes in the bin before you get the poster that we all get mm. to yeah. see. Yeah, this, um, was a, this was a teaser. This fantastic. Um, we've so there we have. We've had a quick run through, and um, Carl, I want to bring you in um, mm. because uh, I want to hear your favourite. Now that Alien has been taken from you, but also tell us in, telling us about your exciting news. So first of all, your film, your poster. Sorry, 
Okay. Your favourite poster? Uh, well, because um, you guys, I think you've got the good poster sort of area covered here. I, I was, I was going to talk about a couple of uh, posters that I that I thought were great posters that massively missold the, yeah. uh, the the film or, or basically led to very underwhelming films. So, so I was thinking of these on the train here. And there's two examples. Um, the first one for me is Reign of Fire. The uh, yes. Christian Bale dragon movie. Matthew Mahonahy. If, there oh, yeah. if there's ever been a poster that you look at and think, my God, I'm, I want to see yeah. that movie. Like I remember seeing it in Cineworld and just going, dragons destroying London. Yeah. This is gonna be awesome. And, Attacked by helicopters, all sorts. And then you you watch the film, and and the, by the end of the opening credits, that poster's done. <laughs> <laughs> and and I remember thinking that was just like the the the, the kind of real um, cheeky marketing. Well, it got you in, so it must it have worked. It did get me in, and 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 I don't mind the film, but but it just never could live up to that to that poster. Uh, um, the uh, the other one, um, which. I guess it was the time and the excitement that everyone was feeling. But I do think the um, the poster for The Phantom Menace with Anakin, the little boy, with the shadow of Darth Vader, that is, that is, I think, a, a really fantastic, just, I guess, not that subtle, but, you know, it, they used imagery without really needing to hit you over the head. It just said everything it needed to say, this boy's going to turn into, Anna, uh, into Darth Vader. And, and I think that's an absolutely brilliant poster. It's just a shame it was for Phantom Menace. Well, do you know what? That's one of my top five. Oh, so really? I'm going to change it. Because, okay. And I wrote down here, it was the Babylon Zoo of film posters. Do you remember <laughs> Babylon Zoo? Yes. So yeah, they had yes. that, they, they did this, there was an advert, um, and it was an amazing soundtrack, and everyone was like, wow, this is amazing. And they rushed out and bought the single. And then after 20 seconds, it went... It slowed right down, didn't it? Yeah, and it became this terrible dirge. And... That for, that poster is the is the Babylon Zoo film poster. You go, wow, this is going to be amazing! It's going to be amazing! It's like, oh, it's terrible. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a simple, it's a spine tingling image. It's yeah. sparse. It's brilliant. It evokes everything. And yeah, um, a very good choice for a a film that disappoints hugely, but a poster that's successful. Good choices. Um, now um, I know Carl, you've got to to head off. Um, now your film that you're working on, we talked about it a little bit before. Uh, but do you want to tell us a little bit more the title and what's going on and some casting news yeah sure thanks so um so so the film is off grid uh which is a supernatural um, thriller set in a post-apocalyptic world where the world's been destroyed by these uh, blue-eyed demonic creatures called shining ones um the uh so, so it's quite it's quite ambitious um we we landed a, a really early win with that one by by getting the the amazing james cosmo in in the lead role and uh and I think since we last met, um, it, we've been running our Indiegogo crowdfund campaign, and that's that's been going well. That ends in five days, so uh, we are we are really keen to to just get news of it out there to get people's support. And uh, this week, we've we've actually um, completed our cast. I can only tell you one of them. Sadly, I, I was hoping to be able to sort of say both, but we've um, we, we've had a, a fantastic week. And uh, the the first piece of casting was um, a, an actor called uh, Mark Bayless, who plays uh, a, a really awful man called Rob Donovan in Coronation Street, and and was in. Corey for well, over 300 episodes um, and he's got some uh, genre credentials as well he's done uh, a couple of zombie films and a werewolf movie and all sorts of stuff And um, so he's on board, that's announced and, uh, and he's in place and then there's the, the final part which is Grace Tanner which is James Cosmo's wife in the film and, uh, and we, we have landed 
I, I, I'm going to drop a hint, but it is basically an, an absolute TV and film British legend. And uh, we, I, I can't say more than that. We but, in the studio are, have been given clues as to this is, and we can't. We can't. I'm tell holding anymore. my mouth shut. I know, uh, except to say. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. Yeah, so it's so a really, really, really major star, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And and I am, uh, you know, we, we've been walking on uh, on air for the last the last few days. That the way this has come together, I mean, when we when we set out to make this film, I, I didn't expect that we'd we'd end up with a, a cast of the caliber we have, um, and, and that just means the the end product is is going to be uh, you know so so much better than we even hoped. Um, uh, provided I don't screw it up. Yeah, no pressure on you now. Uh, James Cosmo's probably worked with some quite successful uh, directors before. So um, if people do want to get involved uh, with the, the crowdfunding, how do they do that? Um, so, the, so the project is on uh, is on Indiegogo. Uh, so if you search for Off Grid uh, and probably Thriller or something like that, it will it will come up. Uh, it has a very short URL, uh, which is igg.me slash at slash off grid short so it, that's meant to be a short URL. How did you remember you should, that? <laughs> you should try seeing the full URL. Um, so, so basically, that um, that's there. We uh, the main the main things I'd really like to flag is we still need five extras for a key scene uh, involving James Cosmo, uh, where you will get to play a shining one. Um, those are available as part of the Indiegogo campaign, and uh, we we would really uh, love it if people could pick those up. Um, and we're also looking uh, potentially for either businesses or um, individuals to come on board as sponsors. Uh, of certain elements of the production um, and we've got some great packages for that like uh, VIP access to the set to meet the actors and, and the crew um, premiere tickets and uh, lots of signed stuff at the end Fabulous, so uh, get on there I'm not going to try and remember that URL but uh, rewind us and, uh, and go or go to uh, Twitter Dark Matter Films uh, Yeah, so at Dark Matter Films or darkmatterfilms.co.uk uh, all the information's on there Fabulous. So uh, get on that and um, check out the poster because that's what we're talking about. We're going to come back uh, shortly. We're going to play a track now. And you, this is another one with a classic uh, and quite unusual poster. Um, and I think a lot of people might know this one, but uh, we will see. And we'll be back with our, our the last half of our show with our top threes. Okay. Nice to see you all. Hello, welcome back. Did you know what film that was from? You'll know the track, but did you know the film it's from? And if you do know the film, the scene that's in makes that song make a lot more sense. I will say it no more than that. Thank you very much, everyone. You're listening to the Screen Brum Show here on Brum Radio. Lots of tweets, lots of fantastic images in here. Um, we did earlier on play a track, that which was... Uh, an instrumental piece, and it was by Bernard Herman. It was the uh, the main title from Taxi Driver, which has that incredible image of Robert De Niro just standing there against his taxi. Very, very sort of sort of sinister image. And uh, thank you, Carl Josbury, who has identified that one and uh, indeed sent us a picture of it. Uh, he's also sent us one of his favourite ones. He agrees with Graham that uh, horror films have the best posters. They he do. sent us through. Uh, Stephen King's Creep Show, the George Romero film poster with the tagline, The most fun you'll ever have being scared. Um, <laughs> it's and, a great poster. And um, Carl was mentioning earlier one of your favourite taglines is also from a zombie film. 
Uh, yeah, well, actually, I think I think there's two two great zombie taglines. Um, the, the the poster for um, Lucio Fulci's Zombie Flesh Eaters uh, has uh, is quite a striking poster. It's uh, it's basically just a, a big Italian maggoty filled uh, zombie face, mm-hmm. and underneath the tagline just basically says, "We are going to eat you" in massive letters. <laughs> and and I and I just love the simplicity of that image because it, it it's a grimy, nasty film. If you've seen it, it's it really is a a horrible sort of but but really good zombie film. And um, you're not uh, going to be deceived. Yeah, by that. it's more yeah, of a mission know, yeah. statement than a tagline. <laughs> it, it, but for me, um, I, I mean, it really sums up a period in, in film history, which is which is that sort of exploitation period of the seventies and eighties, which which I'm, I'm a big fan of, and and the, just the the lack of subtlety. You know, we talked about subtle posters earlier. I mean, the, the lack of subtlety in some of those posters was fantastic, and uh, and that's a favourite of mine. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, the other tagline that I really love is. Um, uh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> and, clarifying uh, which one. And the other, the other one is uh, there was a zombie film called um, uh, oh, oh, what's it called? Uh, Dead Snow that came out a few years. Oh back. yeah, yeah. Um, it was about and zombie Nazis, weren't they? Zombie Nazis and the As tagline if zombies were bad. I remember uh, that. The, the tagline was "Eins Why Die," and uh, <laughs> and I just thought again that, that was just really subtle. So so for me, horror posters win every you know every time. Yeah, well, again, do look check out our podcast with the interview with Graham Humphreys, who has a lot to say about that and the VHS covers as well, which was and. These a lot of these low budget horror films where the you know the, the images are distinctly better on the posters than they are in the films themselves <laughs> and the production values look a lot higher on those things. Well, thank you very much. Thanks everyone for your tweets and we are we've got a lot to get through. So I'm going to carry on now with um, number three on our countdown of top five film posters. I had a lot of choices here uh, and I came up with The Phantom Menace, but uh, Carl has ruined that. So, um, um, Carl, Carl ruined The leave. Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, Carl, you have to leave us. Goodbye. Very best of luck with uh, the rest of the crowdfunding. And um, do follow Carl on Twitter and, and um, for the news of this megastar that is going to be announced because you are going to want to know this. It's going to be a very, very exciting film. Fantastic, and thanks for having me on. Thank you, Carl. We'll see you again. See you again. Good luck with it. Um, right, so we're now. Um, that was the, that's the sound of the door slamming. That's not a special effect. That is actually literally happening. Um, so um, we're going to now. I was, was going to do Phantom Menace, so I'm going to change it up and talk about Chinatown. Um, oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. So this is a Roman Polanski film, as as, as many of you, I'm sure, will know. A very um, classic image. Um, the it's it's a noir film um some people call it a neo noir because it's it's a, a sort of 70s version of uh of the 40s aesthetic exactly isn't it? Yeah, dark yeah. 40s aesthetic so um the the post was designed by uh, richard amsell who also designed uh, i believe the sting and flash gordon and the dark crystal it's very different it's a classic noir image it's uh, uh i've forgotten his name who is it jack nicholson jack nicholson um, faye dunaway with faye dunaway and you yeah. have Fade Away has her, her hair is made from the smoke coming from uh, Jack Nicholson's cigarette, and she has it. She she she's fading into the background. That's what's really interesting. Is she's like a ghostly floating image in this thing, and it really is very poignant when you see the film the way that she's presented in this. But it just has it just screams kind of 
classy 40s Bogart I think thing. it looks very French as well, doesn't it? Yeah. It's it, got it, that kind of French noir look to it. And that's it's right. It's a bit like a, kind of a, a Lautrec poster or something like you that. You wonder if that's a Polanski thing coming in a bit as well. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. It is in the film at times. It's, you know? it's a, it, exactly. I mean, it, it sort of says this is a kind of noir film, but it's actually something else. There's something different about yeah. it. There's something modern about it as well. So, yes, it's, it's widely, again, regarded as a classic poster. So there's nothing in here that's particularly controversial, I think. But there we are. That is Blake's number three. Chinatown, and of course, also uh, the sequel, The Two Jakes, um, also had a great poster as well, and it was a great film. So, um, if you haven't seen the film, I'd strongly recommend it, but do look at the poster as well. There we go. Blake's number three, Chinatown. So, gents, um, let's have number threes from both of you. Great. Right. It's um, my turn. See, I'm. I want to go with another horror choice, but <laughs> I feel like I should mix things up. But um, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. <laughs> I picked this, and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, the poster is The Exorcist, a, a, a Bill Gold poster. Another Bill Gold, yeah. Um, it's a, it wasn't, again, the first choice for the posters. The, the first choice for The Exorcist poster was a picture of uh, Linda Blair's smiling face and a very strange kind of 70s bubbly font. I don't know if you can get an image of it. I'll try and find it for you whilst um, you're talking. Yeah, it, it was a strange poster, and I'm glad they ditched it. And the, they went with that amazing image of uh, it's Max von Sydow staring up at the house uh, with the light coming from the window, just just spotlighting him. Um, very little else going on on the poster. There must be one, two, or three colours. I mean, you can replicate this image in in pixels, and you'll know what it is. Mm. Um, there's a very good pixel artist on Twitter called Horsenberger who recreates uh, film icons and posters and things like that in uh, in pixels. And he did the Exorcist poster. And you knew what it was straight away it, it, because it's such an iconic image. It's a beautiful poster. An excellent choice, yes. I mean, it's again, you know, the, the image itself could be completely benign, but... The lighting, the colours that's used just makes it look incredibly sinister, incredibly frightening when it's actually just a man yeah. standing looking up at a, uh, a window. But, but there, yeah. it, you know that something really, really horrible is happening in that and that man's going to go through the mill. Yeah, it's got the same feel for me as the Alien poster had. Yeah, it exactly, creates a sense of dread. Yeah. Mm. With, with the same, it's that green, misty, eerie light. Like, mm. As you say, it just makes you feel like he's not going in that house for a nice dinner something, <laughs> something rotten's coming on in there and he's going to go in there anyway fantastic um, yeah it's a beautiful design Love brilliant that one. an excellent choice so that is Graham and Graham is here from the Jaws 19 show if you've just joined us do check them out as well they are a TV show on YouTube which is basically TV these days it is um, TV it is. yeah it's um, supplanted TV absolutely <laughs> uh, lots of great stuff on there so there we are we're, we're, I know we're whizzing through a lot but we have a lot to get through before the end of the show we do want to have enough time to talk about our uh, last two so Tim Okay. A, a number three choice okay. for you. I have warned that I was going to bring this one in. We were talking about it earlier, and it was related to one of the uh, soundtrack choices. Um, my number three is arguably one of the iconic uh, film posters of the noughties. Um, and I have gone through for Stephen Schoenberg's 2002 film, Secretary. Mm. Which I hear that neither of you have actually seen. No, we have not. Well, and it might have been the poster that did it, that for us. It so. absolutely <laughs> was for me. The poster, describe the poster because it absolutely made me think this film is going to be horrible. I have to admit, the poster okay. did that to me. Right, that's interesting that you so, said so that. So describe, describe it, if you may. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to. Uh, yeah, 
so um, what we have here is the, uh, the the image of a, a lady who happens to be played by Maggie Gyllenhaal in the film. Um, for want of a better word, what you are seeing is her legs crossed over. She's wearing tights, um, some heels, and she's wearing a tight black skirt, which ends just below the bottom with the word secretary where her bottom is. And the tagline to the right of her legs is assume the position. Mm. Can I just say that is anatomically impossible? It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think There's that no is part way a human of the, body can okay. do that. That is part of the thing. It is a sort of oddly contorted one. I think yeah. just, you see these horrible, you know, there's so many horrible images of, you know, basically women's bottoms um, that is used exploitatively to sell films. And I think what is different about this one is, is that you look at that, you think there's something weird and, and twisted going on here because she's not in a, Sort of weird. She's in an unrealistic position. Yeah, absolutely. Weird and twisted is a very good way to describe this film mm. in many regards. Um, it, I think actually also the the film the, the the poster gives away gives away a kind of idea that the film treads a tightrope very deliberately. Uh, you've got two characters, um, and in, in hindsight, when you see the film, you can never think of anyone other than Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader to play these characters. Right, okay. James Spader especially. He's Goodness, um, James Bader is good, good in sleaze, everything. Doesn't he? He, he does sleaze as well as anybody I know. I yeah, think. he's the sleaze king. He's the sleaze king. Um, and it's um, for me, it's 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 awkward. This poster, much like the film, um, and um, it's a kind of a statement on the film's sexual subject matter, which is a very sadomasochistic relationship between the secretary played by Maggie Gyllenhaal and a boss played by James Spader. Um, it's it's quite an absurd setup because in reality. Um, the film treads this type load because it's an observation of watching two consenting adults having this power relationship which is sexual and which is odd and weird. And one of the other things that's really weird about this poster is it gives away the idea that could this be sexy? Could this be dominatrix kind of? Um, could this be, you know, it doesn't give away too much. But what it does give away is the awkwardness of watching two adults having this relationship, consenting to it. And enjoying it. Mm. And you don't know sometimes in the film whether to laugh or not to laugh, whether to feel embarrassed, not to feel embarrassed. It, uh, I think, you know, it, you know, if, if you were to cross, I don't know, Love Story with Blue Velvet, you might get in somewhere quite close to where the film is. It sounds like it's the film that Fifty Shades of Grey wishes it was. Well, it so happens that yeah. James Spader's character is called Mr. Grey. Did you know that? Ah. Um, I wasn't that far off the market. Yeah. And it has an amazing soundtrack by Angela Badalamenti as well. So hence the David Lynch references come strongly. But I, I really love this film. It's, it's, it's a lot, it has a sweetness underneath its craziness. It's dark and, and, and strangely um, affecting at the same time. And it does deal with a lot of uh, things around people with low self-esteem, uh, how they rise up and, 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 and actually assume assume responsibility hmm. and and actually that James Spader's character does actually care for his secretary even though this is I was say the poster me makes me think this is this is about an, a power you know the title and the image it just looks like it's about a power imbalance and that's what made me feel like oh, I don't want to watch a bit this icky about it yeah, yeah. and it's that just... is a kind of a playful nature of the film yeah. and that it, it it kind of in one regard it can be seen that way but it's not way at all okay well the fact that it's also the script is written um the script is written from a female perspective mm. all the way through well that's the trouble um, isn't it sometimes if um as as noble as the message your film might have and as complex and nuanced as that film might be if you get the poster wrong people don't go and see it mm. people will 
will write it off as oh this film looks mucky or this film looks I think yeah. I think the poster is absolutely on the nail yeah. I think mm. it's one of well, the you've seen it so you're, you've had that advantage yeah. Yeah. and I, I'll, I'll urge you to see the film if you haven't I think I may now go and see it because that was always my been DVD my concern I, want it. that is very kind of you <laughs> Tim so Tim's number three choice for film poster is Secretary Steven Soderbergh's film from what did you say 2002 uh, Steve, Steven Shaneberg oh sorry Steven Shaneberg yeah. uh, let's have uh, some more music now and this is again from a film with a classic poster and one that you'll probably know so tweet us in as soon as you recognise the film Hello So I don't think that one has proved to be too challenging for a lot of people there to identify. We've had a lot of tweets of people knowing that was. Hello to Lucy Beth at T Kettle. Um, uh, sorry, T Kitty LB on Twitter who has uh, identified that one. And also Carl Josbury um, who sent us the, a picture of the poster, um, which is an incredibly iconic image. We've got um, essentially Anne Bancroft's leg and... Um, Dustin Hoffman standing there about to be seduced. Red Bezel has also got it by asking us if we're trying to seduce him. We are trying to seduce your ears, Mr. Bezel, with our show. As far as it goes. (laughs) That is is as far as it goes. So thank you very much for spotting that. Yes, the graduate classic image. Wonderful poster. Wonderful film. We're here on the Screen Brum Show. We're down to the last uh, half an hour or so of the programme, and we want to spend a little time talking about... Uh, the last uh, couple of film posters that we have. Before we do, I'd like to ask Graham to tell us a little bit more about his uh, his programme, which is named after a film poster, Jaws 19. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose what, what we set out to do with the Jaws 19 channel is to make films about film that are themselves cinematic. Um, my sort of production partner in this is a film independent filmmaker called Neil Palmer. Uh, who's got a film company called Red Mosquito Films. Ooh. And he had the idea of doing this cinematic film show. Uh, and he asked me to uh, present it, as I'd done some acting work for him before. Uh, so, yeah, we do a whole range of things. We do regular episodes called Five Stars, where we look at our favourite scenes around a particular theme. We've done bathroom scenes, um, certain actors. Uh, we did our five favourite Wes Anderson traits recently to tie in with the Isle of Dogs release. And we also sometimes do panel shows. As you mentioned earlier, we had the Geeky Brummy guys on. And we did uh, a run-through of the entire Spider-Man cinematic catalogue and what we thought were the good bits and the bad bits. And we had some sort of interesting discussions about all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a very it's a pretty broad brief. Um, but, yeah, we're just getting started. We've only been going since February, but we seem to be getting a lot of, a lot of interest. But, we, yeah, we always want more. So get onto YouTube, get subscribing. So how do we find you on YouTube? It is literally just Jaws 19 Show. YouTube.com slash Jaws 19 Show. Or if you go to our Twitter account, at Jaws 19 Show, there's links in the bio as well where you can find us. And it's not just about Jaws 19, um, which is not yet been made as a film, as I'm aware. No, Max Spielberg's still working on it, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but, nine, uh, but Jaws 19 is, of course classic uh, film sort of poster 3d poster from back to the future 2 back to the future 2 as yeah you said earlier on so yes do get onto that and um and let us know uh, do do subscribe uh, but also listen to the radio show as well you know there is room for your eyes and your ears to be stimulated in the filmic world we're all here trying to do things um that, that basically express how much we enjoy 
film. We love this medium. We love film. We love TV. Um, we think it's an important thing to talk about. So uh, do subscribe to that. Now, we are here talking on the radio about pictures, which is, <laughs> is it difficult. It's always a stretch. Always a stretch, but we do our best. And we're going to be talking about, um, yeah, we're talking about our favourite film posters. And again, we appreciate your contributions and continue to do that at Scream Brum. Uh, we're down to our last ones now, our last two each. Um, and this is proving to be difficult for me. Um, and I'm going to do uh, one which has been suggested by a listener, um, which again is a very, very iconic image. And it is E.T., Extraterrestrial. Now there are there are there are kind of this is a very you know a, a classic uh, film as we, of course we know from about 1982 I think 82 yeah uh, Steven Spielberg film um, but there's sort of two iconic images there's yes. two posters on this there is there is the one which is the silhouette of the moon with the uh, flying with Elliot's cyclist bike, yeah. exactly which you know, everyone knows it's a very, very uh, powerful image. And it's Amblin Entertainment's logo, isn't it? He adopted that for his logo. That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. So flying we, bike. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about the other one, um, which is the what I'm calling the finger one, which is <laughs> you're seeing... Um, uh, we're all pointing. E.T.'s e- finger down, and Elliot's finger joining up ooh, and light between well. them. Um, the reason I'm... It's seared into the image of anyone of a certain age, people who are kids in the 80s, that image um, will be will be there for you, that kind of image of them too. And I, I think we've got to remember now, it's been used so often that we forget it was actually quite a creepy image because we weren't used to seeing... You know, in the same way that eggs were benign things before <laughs> Alien, um, creepy alien, scaly alien fingers reaching out towards children was not a, was not a comforting image. Don't touch it. Uh, it looks... <laughs> it looks you know and, and that's what we have we have this this quite surprising image of this creepy alien finger and a child together uh, and i think we, we forget how shocking that was it also um, invokes um michelangelo as well yeah yeah very Absolutely. much so so the, the creation of adam where yeah. god gave and and that actually you know again you know if we're being very sort of you know clever about this you know there's a lot of religious overtones in the book in the film there's, yeah, there's the idea themes of, of resurrection and exactly death and all this and, stuff yeah um, so it, it relates it's it's designed by john alvin um and it's john alvin's daughter's hand uh, so it's not the, the actor who played uh, elliot himself uh, in that image and it's it's the movie in one image for me. It, that sums up everything. It's oh. it's you know it tells us everything. Tim's about to burst into tears as he does whenever there's emotional. Whenever scenes. he talks about ET. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that is my number one. And again, everyone everyone knows it. It's, it's probably not going to blow anyone's mind this choice, but that is is my number two choice. ET, the extraterrestrial, the finger, <laughs> the finger, <laughs> the finger version. version. Not. Yeah. The, I mean, the other, the other version is is obviously wonderful as well. The other image, and and there are versions with both in. I think, but. For me, it's that image, that odd image of, you know, a, a scaly alien hand that's clearly something otherworldly and a, and a child and it all being benign. And it's interesting. I mean, watching the, looking at the poster right now, there's a kind of thing that what softens it from being sinister, number one, is seeing the, the, the hope and expectation of a, a flying bicycle and the moon and then a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah. Because at that time, 
Well, actually, he hadn't developed. Yeah, I his, say, I think at that time he hadn't developed this, this idea of his sentimentality. Yeah, I think if you the, watch this film, if you looked at that poster was, in isolation, knowing you he know, just come off the, the back of mel- you, melting faces and Nazis, yeah, you wouldn't know. the the disaster that was 1941 ooh. and um, Close Encounters, which, but again, Close Encounters is a very sentimental it's, film. It is a slushy film. It's a slushy film, and, yeah. a, and a, I'm all the more wondrous for it. I am all. I am. A, I mean, you may disagree with me, Graham, but I am. I am a fan of the Spielberg sentiment. You know, it's kind oh, of. Oh no, I love it. Absolutely, um, I'm a child of the 80s. It, it works it, for me. It, yeah. It, Presses that button, and it's and also I, I it's no in hindsight looking at the Steven Spielberg film it's no it's no it's no coincidence either because of its autobiographical element that kind of runs through it. Um, well, so know. Steven Spielberg really met an alien. He did, in yeah, he, he did you not yes. know this? I did not know this. That explains a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> touched by touched by a genius. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You've stopped me right in my tracks there, Blake. Thank you. Sorry, carry on. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's, it's iconic again, isn't it? I think what's interesting Minimus. is that we're talking about posters in from two very different angles. I tend to look at them from a design point of view. So I find a poster beautiful if it's yeah. designed well. Whereas the posters that you gentlemen have spoken about, it's more about the feelings they evoke in you and they're attached to a time in your life mm. or a, a film that you have a particular affection for. Some of the, as I've, as we said earlier, I've I've described posters and that I love for films that I hate. Mm. So, well, Graham's basically taking the brief seriously um, and, and done things. <laughs> I, I've taken the brief. I know, I know. Um, uh, thank you. I oh, just a, a nice tweet in <laughs> from from, from uh, Carl. Hello, Carl, who said um, he loves ET so much. His son is named Elliot. His son's named ET. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, quite. That's quite uh, something, isn't it? That's yeah, that is lovely. And um, but and and. Um, Lucy Beth, who, who we previously wow. had on, um, has mentioned that it fills her with fear. She was banned from watching the film because she was scared and upset too much by that poster. And that yeah, Lucy told me that last week, actually. Oh, right. It well, does yeah, get yeah. very tense towards the end with the government agents yeah. rushing in and all that horrible But that stuff, image, just, yeah. just the picture itself, I think, mm. like I say, if you didn't know anything, you'd think, what's that creepy alien doing to that child? Why is his finger child. glowing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg isn't afraid to, to darken tone. No. You know, he, in the pursuit look, of... Look at uh, Poltergeist. I know yeah. he didn't direct it. It's a Toby Hooper film, but he had a... He had a a firm hand in that yeah, film, more than a more than a passing firm hand. Yeah, exactly. According to rumours. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, there we are. I've I've gone with ET for my number two choice, and um, I'd like to now ask Graham. The eighties. Oh, you're not going for that one yet. Uh, for no, number <laughs> number two, uh, what would you like to choose as your number two film? Right. The, well, sorry, my poster. My number two and number one are going to be hideously predictable. <laughs> if you know anything about me and if you know anything about the show I present. So my number two choice is the poster for Jaws. Jaws. And again, Jaws I reckon one. The, the first film, yeah. As yeah. soon as I said that, I guarantee everyone listening could have pictured the poster in their head. It's another one of those images that's been parodied over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's the same image that was used on the book cover, interestingly. Like we talked about branding earlier and that, that through brand. It's the same image that was on the Peter Benchley novel. And it's the shark dominating the whole frame, rising up towards the lone swimmer. And again, it's just a beautifully balanced design. The colour choices, there's very little colour in it. Again, it's not one of those busy, overwhelming, colourful posters, um, which seem to be popular nowadays if you think of something like Thor Ragnarok, which was visually, from the poster point of view, was just a, a smack in the face. Whereas, again, this is minimal. Uh, it's beautifully balanced. And it, again, it tells you what kind of film you've got in. There's a, getting, there's a sense of menace there straight away. 
that shark is not going to go up there and do something pleasant to that poor lady. Yeah, and it's and, and the the the, um, the scale seems really odd in it as well. I think that that adds to that sense of dislocation. The fact that you know it looks like she's it's too it's too big and it's too close to her, and it's just it doesn't look kind of real um but yeah there's something it looks super real if yeah. anything doesn't it right. yeah have you seen the, the poster for the new the jason statham shark film coming out about a cool. mega mega shark yes uh, and they've taken the same sort of thing there of, of people swimming and this just ridiculous it's like an island doesn't I know, it? Yeah. it's like about you know like 500 <laughs> feet long or something yeah. uh, because everything has to be bigger for jason statham he can't just kill a normal shark no he needs a big shark to punch doesn't exactly. he i love jason statham uh, so do i i'm gonna have he, that on he, record he's yeah. great he's I, awesome. I discovered recently he was um he's he was in the funny. commonwealth games um as, as a diver uh, as a younger man so you can yeah you can that see was footage like, of that. that's how he got started a diver and an underwear model i believe ah well they are that's at the uh, same time. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, brilliant choice. I'm sure many of... Oh, everyone has seen this picture, Jaws, right? But it is... It's terrifying. Um, I don't think anyone had ever seen a shark's mouth uh, quite so much, but, it, yeah, it brilliantly... And it's... Um, it, the colour as well, as you say, the, the only colour on there, the Jaws in red it's the horror color we've talked about it's red it's, again yeah it brings it all there yeah brilliant brilliant choice um i'm sure many of you will have will know that one but jaws is graham's number two choice um i'm feeling slightly palpitational now is that a word um, quite it tense is it is um so i'm going to play some music to calm us down before we introduce tim's number two Not choice the jaws theme, I hope. uh no something more relaxing <laughs> good, and, good, good. and and chilled out from a classic uh, a, a classic film poster which i happen to suspect that graham is also a fan of I might have been lying when I said it was going to relax you. No. Um, that was, uh, wow, that was um, from a film. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but we do know uh, that it has been identified. Carl Josbury immediately tweeted, it is from uh, um, the soundtrack to uh, John Carpenter and, direct, and written by John Carpenter, the soundtrack to Halloween, which is a fantastic, terrifying, simple and... Um, uh, I don't know what the word for it is, scary <laughs> poster image of uh, a pumpkin and a big knife. So um, there we a are. A pumpkin and a big knife. <laughs> that, is, that is probably <laughs> what John Carpenter said to the design. I want a pumpkin and a big... Someone carving a pumpkin in a blind way. Um, so you're tuned to the Scream Brum Show here on Brum Radio. We appreciate all of your listeners, or all of our listeners, so we hope you are enjoying it, and uh, we'd love to know your favourite films and what films that you have... Um, uh, the favourite poster for. Sorry, I just like panic there as I got an email. But anyway, where am I? Yes, Tim, number two choice for a film poster. Okay, I I was going to pick, well, no matter what my five were, I was going to pick a James Bond film poster because uh, I'm a Bond fan. And uh, it was interesting. I started off actually looking at the Daniel Craig posters. Um, one thing I know, the whole, re, the whole rebrand of Bond with Daniel Craig has all been around focusing on his character and focusing on Daniel Craig in, simplest, in the simplest way. Yeah. So, you know, Skyfall, you've got him on the floor with a gun looking like, you know, in a suit with 007 above. Um, with the teaser poster for Casino Royale, you had him sitting down at a table with the gun on the thing wearing a tux but looking moody. But really, when we're going to go and look at film posters we have to go to Moore and Connery we have to start looking at the the sort of dubious action uh, shots of action and girls because that, that, that was, was really, pretty much yeah. it that was your Bond, Bond film then wasn't it you action can think of 
the, the, my favourite Roger Moore one is For Your Eyes Only, where he is uh, underneath Carol Bouquet, um, who's wearing a swimsuit, and he's shooting through her legs, and you can see her uh, her bottom. Oh. I love that one. That's so funny. It's a kind of a, uh, uh, but the one I'm going to go for. There's a, there's a pattern emerging here in the film. Yeah, too, like, women's legs, women's <laughs> legs and bottom. I hadn't. I just asked you. Oh, I hadn't. I hadn't occurred to me. I do, I, I, and I do love the one of uh, of you if you only have twice where um but where you got Connery in the hot tub with all the Japanese girls around her. It's so legs dubious. and bottoms again legs yeah. and bottoms. So um, I decided uh, to continue on the theme of legs and bottoms by picking the uh, film uh, the film poster for Thunderball. Mm. I love this one. It's it pretty well, you, much you see Sean Connery's legs anyway. Yeah, it's you know it's all about the harpoon gun and the slippers. And then, and then <laughs> the flippers, not slippers. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know they are. Um, it's very difficult to swim in slippers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, here comes the biggest bond of them all. You know, it, it, imagine nineteen sixty four. You've just had Goldfinger, right? And then you've got, you know, you've got to top that. You've got to make it bigger. And Thunderball, in terms of scale and scope, you know, with its special effects being underwater, with its kind of uh, Caribbean subtext and plotline and Blofeld and Spectre and nuclear bombs and ransoms and all that kind of crazy stuff, which was very mid sixties. This was a this was a, this is a poster of the sixties and a quintessential Bond, where you've got basically Bond dressed in a swimsuit with a harpoon, four girls around her in bikinis, one unzipping his swimsuit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all looking. Cool. Questionable uh, politics aside, yeah. it's from a design point of view, it's a great poster. It's a great they, poster. Yeah, they form, Sean Connery forms the peak of a pyramid. Yeah, and then you've got the big bold, um, solid text at the bottom with the name of the film and Sean Connery. If you if you glance at that poster, all you'll see is Sean Connery Thunderball. That's 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 the. And if you look pitch, at the uh, the the lookouts, very clever as well because Double O Seven is. Yeah, the, inside the word look. Yeah. That to make the word look, haven't they? Yeah. So from, yeah, from a design point of view, it's it's great. From a sexual politics point of view, it's awful. Not so. It's yeah. absolutely <laughs> awful. It but but you've got to end, you've got to put it into context here. It's like um, there are lots of iconic film posters where the sexual politics are dubious. Mm. But doesn't make them. And the, no, well, you know, we were talking about Barbarella last week mm. as an example of that. But actually, that isn't as dubious as the fact that it's actually a, um, a heroine at this at the heart of a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you're absolutely right. There is dubious sexual politics, but it does evoke. Very classic Bondian themes. Yeah, I will stand. Poster. It's a great poster, yeah, yeah. and it is 1965. You have to put it in context. I will stand up. Yes, it, it, it is. It is dubious. Yeah, but on the same token, that's what salt. They they understood exactly what was needed to sell a film. Mm-hmm. Sean Connery's hairy chest. Sean Connery. Scantily clad only, <laughs> only Sean Connery can look cool in flippers. I mean, flippers yeah, yeah, are yeah, not. And an orange wetsuit. Yeah. And to think, only only nine years later was he in pants. For Zardos. For Zardos. Look, at, look how his body changed. To be fair, that's a drawing. He was at the height of his, the height of his physical prowess there, and he didn't, didn't care about becoming a little bit flabbier. <laughs> we're, uh, we're grateful of that. Um, thank you. Yes. Uh, oh, I also make... like, from a Bond, if you're a Bondian thing, I also like seeing Kevin, Mac- not produced by Bro- a Broccoli and Sortsman, but produced by Kevin McClory. It just stinks of lawsuit, doesn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. Uh, so, um, of course, bearing in mind this is Mr. Tim Wilson talking, we were always going to have 
a Bond one, and Thunderball. Thank is you for indulging me. An excellent one <laughs> to choose. So that we've all done our number. We've, we've we'll all done, done our number, number two. <laughs> let's let's uh, move on. Um, uh, do our number one. I want to talk about another uh, another tweet. Thank you very much, Daryl Davis, who's tweeted us. Hello, Daryl. Daryl uh, has put us on to Bill Gold uh, video at the beginning, so I wanted to thank him for that. And he's got a rather exciting thing in his house. He's got a Blues Brothers poster signed by John Landis and and personalised nice. personalised by John Landis as well so uh, the tagline for the Blues Brothers is they'll never get caught they're on a mission from God and Daryl actually has John Landis has written Daryl will never get caught he's on a mission from God which poster is it the, the, the black and white one where they're standing in the kind of in that sort of wasteland, yeah, yes, with the with the classic car Beautiful behind poster. them, uh, fantastic, poster. yeah, oh, great film. So that's the film I've probably seen more than any other film in the world. So an excellent one. I'm a little bit jealous of you, Daryl, but of course it will only work in your house with your name on it. So fantastic. We're going to come back and do number one now, um, and I'm going to play a track that will tell you if you are if you know what it is, what my number one choice is. And I've been, well, should we do our um, honourable mentions before we do our number one mm. so um, we'll, we'll play the track and if you know what it is you will uh, you'll know what i'm going to choose as number one um the composer is nicholas Brittel, um and the uh, the title is in latin so i'm going to give it a go vespere solenes de confessore in c major yeah um so have a listen it's gorgeous Sorry, I'm in tears here. Sorry, apologies, <laughs> everyone, because that film oh, it does it for me every time. Wonderful. Vesperate, well, that, that name um, by Nicholas Brittel. If you know the film, you'll know the poster. But let's do some, so before we have, we've got a quarter of an hour left of the show, let's do some honourable mentions. And mm. again, we'd love to hear you, so do tweet us your honourable mentions, anything you haven't yet said, at Screen Brum. Um, we've talked about a lot of films, Love in the Afternoon and, and The Phantom Menace were choices of mine, Chinatown and Trainspotting. One that I think, uh, Graham, you also had on your list was Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, that is, a, again, a beautiful poster. It's, mm. it's the colour that sells that one. It's beautiful, I, isn't it? I tried to find out who designed it, but as with a lot of modern posters, it was, it was attributed to a marketing company. Mm. So they obviously have a team of designers. But it's that gorgeous image of the, the yellow VW camper van. And they're all mm-hmm. running after it. They're all running <laughs> after it. So there's a beautiful sense of movement in the poster. Uh, it's really a kinetic design. The typeface is simple, so the typeface isn't fighting for attention with the images. Mm-hmm. And you've got the stills of the cast across the top. Um, it's as close to a perfect poster as I think you'll see. It's, it's lovely, gorgeous. isn't it? And, it, and it, it, again, it, it does link to a specific scene in the film. It's funny. And, uh, yeah, as you say, it's movement. It's just, it looks, I mean, the bus looks fantastic, yeah. as VW camper vans often do. But, yeah, great, a great, great poster. And a great film as well. Oh, wonderful, seen it. Wonderful, wonderful film. Funny and warm film, great music. I have an honourable mention. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, The Usual Suspects oh. as an example of a great poster. Um, what I love about this film is it's five guys in a lineup, five shadows. <laughs> what connects them? Five. And I, I like the tagline: Five criminals, one lineup, no coincidence." And it, it just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a setup shot for the film, isn't it? Yeah. It's a perfect thing, and um, I, I really love how that that poster sets the film up so wonderfully well. I and, think what, uh, and it ties in with the theme of the film. Are we are we got to be careful around usual suspect spoilers. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't yet seen the usual suspect, you really ought to. It's been yeah. around a while. And uh, pause now. Right. Well, basically, you've got five people in that image and six names above them. 
So there's a hint there that one. I know it's not exactly the people yes, who are exactly in that well. lineup. Yeah. But there is a, there's a sign there that someone's name is important. There is a named person who isn't on screen. So mm. there's a theme of a missing person or a mysterious person. That yes. was not as big a spoiler as I thought you were going to give. No. So that's fair. Yeah, enough. I was about to impersonate that other character as well. I decided <laughs> not to because his accent is quite cool, very funny in that film. Um, yeah, that is. And very and very impersonable, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, oh, so many, so many other choices on my list here. Um, Cool Hand Luke, Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. I don't know if you've seen that. It's the face, isn't it's it? Suspe- it's, um, it's got a kind of psychedelic, I don't know what you call it, again, like ripples. So yeah. you can see his face, and of course, you know, you can just look at Paul Newman's face all day, and it's a, a very pleasant way to spend your time, because he is a very, very handsome man. But it's got uh, sort of yellow and red ripples coming out, and you just think, oh, this film is cool. Yeah. It just has, and it, and it looks very much of its time. And, uh, you know, as, as Carl said earlier on, you know, it does immediately date something having an image in it. That's not necessarily, uh, sorry, having a person in it, yeah. face, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, of definitely course, not. Because it evokes that classic one. And in a similar vein, uh, Straw Dogs. Oh, that's um, a good poster. Which is a, a, yeah. a you know nasty film and a very powerful poster. Dustin Hoffman's black and white face, poster, isn't it? Black and white, in yeah. extreme close up of Dustin Hoffman's face with yeah. broken glasses, um, and he's looking kind of you know really powerful image. Yeah, that it's is, a isn't powerful. It? It's terrifying. It's mm. horrible. It's it's all the more powerful for it being Dustin Hoffman, who is you know usually a kind of not a kind of action hero type figure and something you know looks like something awful has happened to him but his face is also absolutely struck with uh, a kind of sense of uh, determination uh, you just want to know what's yeah, gone on poster. what's led to his glasses being broken so yes a another one of mine um another one that i was going to mention but was not permitted to on the grounds that we had it last week ah. is metropolis now, uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis, particularly if you can uh, go online and look for the French poster for this, it is gorgeous. A cityscape with the word Metropolis uh, spread across it at different heights in red. It's just amazing, and, and Metropolis that Art Deco design, isn't it? It's gorgeous. is, and yeah. and 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 as a, you know, it's it's I, I I think unique in that you know it actually predated you know the images from the film actually created well influence the architectural form that came actually a bit after so um you know it, it's just amazing it's just wonderful and the only reason i'm not talking about it is we talked about it extensively in the last show so there's some honorable mentions what do you think guys and have you got any of your own yeah i've got honorable mentions uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna plump for out of sight the poster for that mm, that's, uh, that's, that's george Clooney looking like um what's his face out of goodfellas in that there picture. is a deliberately kind of um old school hollywoodish kind of not uh, but the mentality yeah. of the poster you've got uh, George Clooney in the backdrop you've got Jennifer Lopez um, oh, guess what there's legs, some legs there's yes. legs in this one again <laughs> oh for god's yeah. sake um, with a gun uh, but what I love about it is it, it's set a bit like it, almost like a 60s poster where you've got it's, it's just it's, but actually it's, it's even holding less it's telling you less about the film really other it tells than you nothing about the film other and than that, that it's is, got a gun uh, in it but what, it, what that is that, that says to me that's just so Soderbergh not mm-hmm. to give it much away at very all. bright colours very bright colours yeah, palette's very two 60s, massive classic two massive stars, stars yeah. and just going for you it you could change George Clooney's face for Steve McQueen's there and it any time and yeah. it wouldn't wouldn't look out of place would yeah. it yeah the other one I was going to pick was Scarface ah the black and white the yeah, black no, and white with a little shade of with the little shade of red what I think is really interesting about that poster is it's got so much writing on it yeah there were two that's there very were, unusual this was a deliberate call because what I was going to do was also pick up on a couple of exi- what you wouldn't expect to see things with lots of writing on. So the other one that would come to mind on that was Badlands. Mm. 
um, Terence Malick's classic oh, film. Martin Sheen, was it? Martin Sheen, Space 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 yeah. And the, what beautiful thing is that you talk about fil- things with lots of writing. You know, the tagline. There's no tagline here. There's a paragraph of writing at the top. You've got a picture of uh, Martin Sheen, Sissy Spacek, Martin Sheen uh, with a gun and a car, and Sissy Spacek lying at her like, lying at his side with a tree. That looks more like an album cover. It's mm. a square image, which you yeah. don't see on film posters. It's Except the fact that the setup yeah. it says he was 25 years old. He combed his hair like James Dean. He was very fastidious. People who people. A film poster with the word yeah. fastidious People on it. Who, it's not, that's yeah. not going to happen these days. People who literally bothered him. She was 15. She took music lessons and could twirl a baton. She wasn't very popular at school. For a while, they lived together in a treehouse. In 1959, she watched while he killed a lot of people. <laughs> that's Whoa. a great setup, isn't it? I know. You've got to watch that. It's a hell of a cinema. I love the, again, symbolic symbolism, simple. Sort of Western, yeah. classic Western. Western almost yeah. Western vibe. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a, and it's a wonderful film. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Any other choices before we uh, we get on to number ones, gentlemen? I think we'd be remiss yeah. if we didn't mention Tarantino. Some of his posters have been amazing, and if we're talking about you know hung on college room walls or bedroom walls, the Pulp Fiction poster in the nineties was everywhere, mm-hmm. absolutely everywhere. The, this it, is the one that looks like a well, like a Pulp Fiction. Yeah, book. it evoked yeah. a Pulp Fiction novel, so it had Uma Thurman on the front, the femme fatale. That, again, that gorgeous 50s or 40s typeface, the, the cigarette, the, the, the long list of the cast there on the side. It's, cool. It's, it's, it screams cool, doesn't it? And Reservoir Dogs is also an amazing poster. Again, another perfect iconic poster. Yeah. And the two Kill Bill posters that complemented each other, the yellow for volume one, the red for volume two. Just, yeah, I think Tarantino's poster designs are beautiful. Mm. Pity of the, about the films. <gasps> oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> let's excuse me. Let's discuss. Let's not discuss. Uh, we're talking about posters today. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, any other um, any other uh, uh, honourable mentions, gentlemen, or should we get uh, to the apocalypse right to now? Oh, gorgeous colours on that, isn't it? Or- orange. You see the helicopters in the sky. We're talking of a, a, a movement on from a Ma- from a Malik um, film. This feels Malik, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The evocation. It's, it's uh, you know, it's 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 a na- it's a sort of nature. Looks like a Turner painting. It's yeah, beautiful. but it, but also has a feeling of impending nuclear war or something. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, of, na- of the napalm, of the smell of smoke and blood and death. Despite mm. this beauty yeah. there, and how much has that been replicated? Oh yeah, in huge Skull Island. In yeah, as I say, the, Jet- Star Wars, the Kong film is very much that. Yeah, yeah. Um, gentlemen, we're coming close to the end of the show, so we do need to to get on and, and give it, and tell everyone out there our number one, our number one choices. Um, mine has already been trailed from the music that you just heard, which is from the film Moonlight. I wanted to bring something right up to date with this one. It's from 2016. Um, anyone who's listened to us on the show before will know how much Tim and I are emotionally invested in this gorgeous, gorgeous film. Um, for me, what was interesting is um, I was lucky enough to see an early uh, showing of this film before I knew anything about it and saw the poster, looked at it, went in, did not realise... The image on the poster is of a, of a of a person, but it's actually split into three different colours, and colour is very important in this film. And it, you you realise um, that it's actually uh, the same. Uh, it's three p- different people. Uh, so so it's a, it's a young boy, teenager, and a man in, t- in his twenties. Uh, and then as as the film as you watch the film, you realise it's actually the, the tale of the same person growing up. Um, and it's such a fantastically put together image that you know I did not realise. You know, I thought that's just a person, and it's it works so well to evoke this sense of of the continuity. In this film, is about understanding what makes a man, what what experiences you go through in life that make 
or a person that make you as, as an adult and what forms you. And, and this idea of this connection between them and the way it looks is gorgeous. And it tells us of how beautifully the film is, is coloured and shot um, and, and is, is wonderful. So um, It's a great choice. It's a fabulous film and a fabulous poster. And um, my number one choice, and it's, I know it's a very much a modern one, but I think it will be... Um, the student poster oh, classic undoubtedly uh, of the future so there we are N- Mike's number one is Moonlight the Oscar winner just about uh, <laughs> from 2016 when they um, worked it out yeah. Uh, so yeah number one uh, for Blake and uh, so Tim would you like to give us your number one now yes I'm just trying to pull up the photo of it because it's a personal one um, it's not one that you might have seen before so um, could you actually go, go to Graham sorry Graham I have to lost our guest of. here have you got a number uh, one sorry <laughs> I have mine ready yes um, and after your sort of heartfelt um, description of the moonlight poster <laughs> um, I'm going um, to get tearful. bring it right back down to uh, to pop culture again and predictably I'm going for back to the future I'm afraid I uh, it is the best film poster ever designed. Okay. No question about it. Uh, it tells you everything <laughs> well, that one. you it need to, to know about this film. Yeah. It's got the flaming trails. It's got Marty stepping out of the DeLorean, looking at his watch. It's got the beautiful Back to the Future logo. That um, Oh, I adore it. And it formed the first part of a trilogy of posters to which they added elements. So in Back to the Future 2, Doc joined him on the poster. And in Back to the Future 3, Clara joined them on the poster. So That's you had this right. beautiful one, yeah. two, three triptych of, of images, which, um, yeah, for me, rivals any other classic triptych of paintings. That <laughs> is a very bold statement. So uh, I will defend it, sir. We in fact, you're the using the word triptych uh, <laughs> is, is elevating yeah. to high ground. This is art. This is I'll, art. I do try. Uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it is... Um, yeah, immediately recognisable, as you say, everywhere you go. Um, and um, so, yes, if you haven't seen it, follow us on Twitter. And the uh, the logo as well is one of those ones. It's an that's amazing used, logo. That's used yeah. constantly. Um, I saw a showing of this recently, an outdoor showing at the... Um, the Custard Factory here in Birmingham. There was lots of people dressed up, very excited. Lots of young people saying how much they wished they'd lived through the 80s because it was amazing. And I remember the thinking, it films. really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just there were some good films. But, you know, better to watch them were from there, a distance. Were there items of clothing uh, or uh, items that he was wearing that you bought off the back of uh, seeing something like that? Um, only when I was um, an adult, yeah. But I did buy some, some Nike um, basketball shoes. Well, didn't they make some of those? They didn't. They were recently a run of those actual. Oh, the, the, the space the, the power ones. laces ones. Yes, they the did those. I think they were a lot of money. Yeah, but there was a brilliant film of uh, Michael J. Fox actually trying on a pair of the Nike power laces. Uh, yeah, I. I I, um, I was a bit jealous, to say the least. <laughs> a little bit jealous. We're running right up against I, I, the end of the show. I, I, um, where are we at? We're, we're right at the end of the show. Yeah. You need so to do your number one. You, we need I to was, get number one. I was going to say that it's great that, um, you know, I love how Zemeckis and Spielberg have made geeky people cool. And Multiply is the, is the epitome of that. He's, he's, he's our geek deity, definitely. <laughs> geek deity, yeah. The, the high priest of uh, nerdery. Okay. Um, so, Tim, you are, you are going to end the show with a, uh, your number one choice. I'm just going to do a George McFly 1985 laugh. <laughs> there you go. That's, well, that's very nice. Do you like that? <laughs> uh, um, right, so um, this is on my wall, and I'm going to po- post this up. This is uh, a rare Japanese uh, print of uh, Amelie, a fabulous destin of Amelie Boulin. Okay. Um, you know the one. The one that everyone knows is the picture. It's the green. Uh, the green image of Audrey Tattoo yeah. with the spoon. 
looking yes. just incredibly sugary and, and sweet, doesn't she? Yeah, the film is all sugary and sweetness, right? Some would say it has a political subtext. <laughs> no, but this is a, this is my this is sits on this sits on my one on my wall at home. This is a rare Japanese print of Fabula, the Fabula Destin of Emily Poulain, and what it is, it's a scene from the film. Basically, big orange red wall, and then her, uh, Emily read in bed reading a magazine with a cat next to her side. Two, two everything's not quite fitting. The lamps are different. The, there's a picture of a dog in a cone. You know, having just had yeah. a. A veterinary cone. A it looks duck. symmetrical, but it's not. It's not it? symmetrical. It's odd lol, and it's a, it, it's a it's a metaphor for the whole film. It's quirky French Gallic charm and nature, and very um, um, very kind of uh, brightly basic colours. Very beautiful yeah. design. Basic colours, yeah. and I like that it's got the t- film title just scrabbed across in Japanese. Yeah, that's that's just a person because it was rare. I loved Amelie, and I, this, it's a personal choice. Number one, fantastic, well, good choice. So that might be one that people haven't seen. So if, again, go to our Twitter feed I'm at Brum and Tim will post up an image of that. Um, we are, as I said, horrifically, horrifically out of time. Um, we are, as I said, we are going to be changing studios soon. The, the, the studio here is being redone. Do we get to loot this place then? We, no, all of the equipment mm. will oh. go. Don't, don't. Uh, it's disappointing. Uh, uh, you, you can have. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Okay. In case the boss is listening, I'm not going to let him. I want to escort him off the premises. <laughs> um, so we don't quite know when our next show, our next live show, is going to be yet. So do continue to watch all our social media feeds and things to find out about that. I want to say a really big thank you to so many people today. First of all, to of course Tim and Graham here in the studio. Thank you, thank you, uh, and Carl Timms who came in earlier on and told us about his uh, his film with the very exciting um, casting and the extremely exciting casting to be announced and that's off grid and if you go to dark matter films and you can find out more about that and to uh, become an extra in it um i also want to thank everyone who's tweeted i'm not going to get everyone's names i do apologize in advance but uh, daryl davis carl Josbury, and uh, carl Josbury sent us an honorable mention here of a razor head classic good poster um, classic cool. poster uh Willie the cat um Doyce Nog um, we'd like to thank um, as I say Daryl we'd like to thank um, Lucy Beth Feathers and Wings lots of people for tweeting us really appreciate you doing it um, we have been the Screen Brum Show um, I'd like to uh, say off, uh, sign off by a track from another classic uh, poster and a classic piece of music as well so before I do the, the, the track I'm going to play us out with is the main title from Anatomy of a Murder, uh, the film with the wonderful Saul uh, Bass poster, and um, the music in that case is by Duke Ellington. Um, gentlemen, anything else you'd like to add before we say a very good goodbye to our listeners? Uh, what a pleasure it's had to having Graham on the show today. It's been brilliant, so thank you. Thank you. Thank and you, Graham. Thank you for having me, yeah. And uh, do check out uh, Jaws 19, 19 show on YouTube. For a second. Fantastic. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a brilliant weekend. And uh, if it rains, carry on raining. Go to the cinema. And generally, just go to the cinema. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. 
Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page, and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.